sack reel to reel tape. Thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd pull the entire eight track out and uh, really intimidate people. They're like, uh, what, what, what do you have on your back, and why does it weigh four hundred pounds? And yes, because it's it's a high. We're a high budget podcast. Yeah, it's a, it's a big there's so much money in podcasts that you know. Yeah. It's like it's like uh, the public radio of not even that. It's <laughs> like even. public access TV. It's you know, yeah, maybe. So well, and that's why you know we we don't we don't do the money thing because for the same reasons that um, people don't want certain things to be out in public. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to be on Disney's radar. Right. Exactly. And the the quickest way to to piss Disney off <clears throat> is to take any money that they think should be in their pocket. So right, and pretty much they think all the money. Should yes. Be and they're doing a good job at it. Yeah, yeah. Before too long, they're gonna they're gonna control the entire entire game of it. So yeah. here comes their receptionist. Yeah, no problem. Hey, I'm having an interview here. <laughs> you could have gone into more detail. The, it's not the police interviewing yeah, you no. for once. Yeah. It's you know. <laughs> so <clears throat> so anyway. So uh, yeah. Uh, we had, uh, I'm sure you've heard. We just kind of just turn the microphone on and start talking. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do the introductions. Hi, everyone. Uh, 67 episodes of Hearing My Voice. It's Skipper Kyle. I'm sitting down today uh, with um, – I love how I get to call everyone Skipper regardless of whether they uh, – if you've ever worked Jungle Cruise, we call you Skipper, Skipper Jeff Rhodes. Um, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed before the taping with um, – uh, with John Duran, Mayor John Duran, uh, we're calling him Skipper John Duran. He uh, he reeducated me about well, you should call it someone you know, Mayor. And I was like, well, can I call you Skipper Mayor or Mayor Skipper <laughs> or how does that work exactly? <laughs> so, it was it was great. We thirteenth uh, floor penthouse looking out over West Hollywood and oh, the yeah. entire. Uh, you know, oh. Studio City area. Life's and, tough for John. Yeah. Well, you know, he's worked hard to get where he's, he has. And he he's, deserves he, it. And, yeah, he is one of the most affable. And I'm going to throw this on the taping today because I didn't really, you know, chat about this. Um, there are there are people when you're in their presence that you just – I like, I would vote for him for governor in a heartbeat. <laughs> uh, he is just one of the most um, – Charismatic and genuine people that you're ever going to meet, and he he really fills the room. And I'm I'm guessing that you know that that's you know part of what why he's that way is because he was a Jungle Cruise skipper, and we learned how to. Yeah, how to the fill question the room. is which came first, the Jungle Cruise skipper or John Duran? You know? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that he should end all of his city council meetings by firing two shots. <laughs> that's, no, that's the Compton mayor. That's not <laughs> that's not West Hollywood. So. Doing two shots, maybe. Right. Um, or, so, uh, Jeff, when you were you were telling me in the back, you were seventy-seven to eighty-four. Seventy-six. Seventy-six to eighty-four. Yeah, I started Easter week in nineteen seventy-six. So, I actually my training was just a little bit before that. But now, what? And I kind of do the same thing. There. Uh, what? What brought you to the resort? What was the? Were you college at that point? Was it? Um, I had uh, yes, I had been in. I was going to Orange Coast College, mm-hmm. and which I, I also went to Orange Coast College. Oh, very good. I. Um, uh, was working as a truck driver for Delaney Seafood down on the peninsula there. Mm-hmm. And um, I had always loved Disneyland and Disney. I went there as much as I could, and I always wanted to have a job there, but, you know, things happen, and I never pursued it. And my parents had a backpacking store in Newport Beach and a little camping store down by Hogue Hospital there. <clears throat> Excuse me. And... Um, I, I have to ask, did they often tell you to go take a hike? 
that <laughs> never once. Never once? Okay. <laughs> That's, that would seem to be an obvious... Uh, they... Um, so uh, we had a, a customer in the store, and I would work for them uh, in between my truck driving job, and we had a customer who came in. His name was Steve Silsby, and he was a uh, mountain climber on the Matterhorn. And he also did other stuff for entertainment. He was the, one of the three pigs from time to time, and he was a dwarf from time to time. Anyway, uh, he came in, and he was talking about his rock climbing job, which to me sounded like just the dream mm-hmm. job to have. And I said, you know, I always wanted to work at Disneyland. And he looked at me and he said, why don't you apply? And I said, well, it's way up in Anaheim. He goes, I work there. I just live down the street. So on a whim, I went up there and applied. And uh, next thing you know, I get the job. And they didn't tell me where I was going to be working. They just said, you're going to be on the west side of the park. And so uh, they said, show up for training at such and such a time. So I went through the whole... And by the way, the chances are they didn't know, because that's... that's <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. The, the, the interviewer said, I can't tell you, because I don't know where, yeah. where it is. It's just a west side job. So I went through all of the two days of um, Disney University, mm-hmm. and, the, and then they handed us off to the area tour <clears throat> cadre, who was uh, Kathy Nelson. And she took us around, and then... Um, Dropped us off at the uh, what we used to call the 401 office, um, which is above uh, Riverbell Terrace there, mm-hmm. and which is um, now the Adventureland Frontierland uh, Attractions office. Right, uh, or we also used to call it Adfro Bear No, which was <laughs> yeah. Adventure Frontier Bear Country New Orleans. Anyway, uh, <laughs> which really is just not a great acronym. It doesn't, no. <laughs> this doesn't roll off the tongue. <laughs> But anyway, uh, so the, we go in there, and I meet the, our area supervisor, and he says, uh, okay, you five guys are on the Jungle Cruise. And I went, what? And then he goes, and you guys are on the Haunted Mansion. And I went, but I, I want to work on the Haunted Mansion because that's the greatest ride in the park. Yeah, that's where all the, all the cool kids said, have no, the cool you, costumes. You've already been assigned, so, but you can transfer later. And by the way, they flop this script in front of me, and they go, have this memorized by the time you come to work in three days. So I was like, I walked out of the park, and I was absolutely distraught. I thought, I can't, I hated speaking in public. I hated getting up in front of people at any time and saying anything. Avoided it as much as I could all my life, and I, I'm walking out of the park, and I thought, that's it, I'm quitting. Because that, that ride is just too hard. Well, and I, it didn't have it didn't have the cachet that it has today. I mean, from what I understand, talking to people, Jungle Cruise was um, not really seen as the place that you want to, you know, that you wanted to go to. That, that it was, you know, it was. It didn't have the, you know, the uh, like a Space Mountain or right. like a Haunted Mansion. It didn't, uh, it didn't have that kind of a feel to it, to, an epicness. To of paraphrase it. Star Wars, if there was a bright spot in Disneyland. The Jungle Cruise was the furthest from it, <laughs> at least as and a, also the you know, ride operator. It is also a, a, high, a wretched hive of scum and villainy. So, yes, yes, exactly. So, uh, so I, I get you know I get home and the next day I'm driving my truck and I got the script in my lap and I'm reading through it and looking at the five freeway traffic and I think I really don't want to be in this traffic anymore and I've always run from this so why not give it a try? So I. Uh, I gave it a try, and I got, I got, I came to work with the script memorized, and uh, we got together with my trainer Art Sahura, and my buddy for training, Danny Stark, who is another legend at Disneyland. 
And uh, so, anyway, um, went through the training, and the first thing Art says is, yeah, just forget that script. You're not going to use it. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're going to use about the first page and the last page, but everything else you're just going to kind of wing. And so uh, I was absolutely mortified for a whole day going around on the Jungle Cruise with an empty boat. Mm-hmm. Just Art and Danny in there spieling to nobody and trying to figure out how to drive and everything. And it was just um, uh, really, really stressful for me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next day we did a couple of trips and Art says, uh, we pull up to the dock and he just told the loaders to load the boat and I wasn't expecting it at all. And I was, oh my God, I was just petrified. I'll never forget that. I could barely choke out the spiel. And I got all the way around, and at the end of the trip, the the crew that I had were standing and applauding. <laughs> and I have a feeling that Art prompted them to do so, but Co- it coached them, coached them in in, uh, in the load. Yeah, well, well, I think what he did was at the end he started applauding, and everybody else, ah. you know, started applauding. And then he stood up, and everybody else stood up. So, uh, but what a feeling! What a rush! And I was so. Uh, happy when I got done with that first trip and I was so happy I decided to stay and stick it out and do it and then you know, the rest is history I mean I just went around and around and around and around <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. we all do yeah um, so the, the the training process for you was just a couple days like two days it was besides the university thing the actual uh, jungle training was two days yeah. we came uh, they were doing an experimental training where we came uh, just before the park closed and we did some training with loading boats with guests and then the park closed and we went around that whole night <clears throat> that whole first day with empty boats yeah. and uh, the it was so neat because the park was completely empty and the Tahitian terrace dancers were doing their train you know um, rehearsal mm-hmm. And so we got to sit there and watch that, and it was such a great feeling to be in the park. Yeah. Nobody there, you know. Now that the wall that's currently there was the Tahitian Terrace. Was it was you could see it from the jungle. Yeah, as soon as you came out past boat storage, right on the right there, you could see there was one of those um, Disneyodendron trees that um, made up kind of a canopy over the terrace, mm-hmm. and you could see the back of the show. You could see the okay. drummers and and all like that. And whenever at nighttime, when the fire dancer was doing mm-hmm. his thing, it was just spectacular. You know, it's like a little. Extra I've got to think in 95 with the big rehab was when they put that big wall up uh, for the Indiana Jones rehab. Because that that seems thematically to be in that storyline of of the changes with the Tahitian Terrace. Right. And we were always, the the Tahitian Terrace was always complaining because the the rookie skippers would come around and they wouldn't turn their uh, exterior lights off. Yeah. And they would be shining in the guest's eyes and, uh, you know, watching the show. And so, uh, you know, that just made sense to put that wall up. But it yeah. was sure neat to be able to... They, they did, um, by. I want to say it was it was either late 2012 or some, somewhere in 2013, they did a um, private party in the Tahitian Terrace that had the original menu and it had oh, dancers. Wow. And I, I want to say it was like 250 bucks a seat. <laughs> um, and there was some, you know, promotional swag that went in there. But I, they actually wow, kind of redid that thing. initial menu that they had. So uh, that would have been that would have been something. Well, that was, you know, that was a really interesting time, really coming out of the late 60s with um, as much Hawaiiana 
uh, uh, as there yeah. was tiki because the tiki, oh yeah, tiki, yeah. but I mean, the tiki room was was big. But really, that late sixties, early seventies, um, you know, you had the first like really reliable, you know, air air transport to Hawaii, right. and you know, yeah. it was you know, you, you had Don Ho, and you had this this whole culture yeah. thing that was happening at the time where people were kind of discovering it, and I I think. I think the biggest shift in the Jungle Cruise. I was I was having this discussion uh, with another skipper. Actually, isn't you know uh, internet and all that stuff. But I think it's actually when um, travel got to be so reasonable and people got to see things in movies and the mystique of you know Hawaii, the mystique of Africa, the mystique of South America became more commonplace. Yes. And that that's that's when a little bit of that the mystery of, you know, the jungle cruise had to shift because people, you know, that was what they expected everything to be like. Right. Kind of like you go to the tiki room and you expect that that's when it be going to be what Hawaii's like right, when you go exactly. there. Um so yeah, there was that that really major shift. Now the um the training process now is three to four days because there's all the safety stuff that has to go in there yeah. and all the legal uh, sign-offs and making sure oh, that, you know. Geez. So, yeah, it, it can be really challenging. And well, they, four days because they well, had... Four if, you're, four if you don't nail it on the third day, basically. They wow. give you an extra day if you, you know, if you can't... Because we were in that experimental group that did the training at night, yeah. and then we did our second day, and by the end of the second day, we were taking guests. But during my time there, they had shortened it to one day of training. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's just got... You know. Well, you know, there wasn't all the lawyering yeah, up that exactly. there is today. And, you know, and that's... Um, they just kind of had this... I, I think there was a, a level of pixie dust because there had been no major accidents. Right. You know, I mean, every once in a while someone probably fell in the river or something. But it wasn't. Yeah. it wasn't, you know, the litigious society where everyone was so focused on... You know the injury of the guests. Exactly. You walk into Disneyland. What what bad could possibly happen to you? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just you know throw you in the boats and yeah, send you on your way. So so you had a, a kind of a level of relief and joy and all that after your first. Uh, oh man, it was. And then it was there was no stopping me. I just was a stand up comic. I thought I was the funniest guy in town. Mm-hmm. Little did I know that you know everyone else feels some, the same damn way. I was just some squirrely rookie, you know, that uh, it was annoying to all the, you know, the uh, longtime employees there. <laughs> now, at, at that time, uh, I mean, obviously the tone had shifted from, you know, the, the nature and documentary kind of style of it. Yeah. I think by the 60s that had happened. But, right. Um, but what, what was it still, was it joke after joke after joke after joke? Was that encouraged at that point or was it... Do a little straight, do a little straight, throw in a joke. I mean, what was the, the um, what was the tone of the ride at the time? The the deal was um, the the spiel that I got had a lot of information in it, but there were these just absolutely corny one liners that were from the studio that punctuated almost every scene. Had at least two or three zingers zingers in there that were most of them were just awful. And uh, I know that prior to that, it was way more factual and, you know, more true life adventure, educational kind of a thing. That that really, I mean, like maybe for the first five to seven years, that was more of the press. But I got the impression talking with other skippers that even by the 60s, it, it 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 had gone to the point where you would put in the factual stuff, but it had those punch lines to right. the to the tone of it. Yeah. 
So the guy I had trained with, Danny Stark, he had just come from working at San Diego Wild Animal Park. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, this is so great because the animals are always in the same spot every time you go around. (laughs) And he knew every fact and figure about every one of those animals. And um, I learned a lot about the animals from him. Mm -hmm. And I actually incorporated a lot of, I kind of got rid of some of the zingers and put in some of the factual stuff back in to my spiel. Um, And there were times when I just did a straight, absolutely straight spiel with absolutely no zingers at all just to <laughs> just to I, mix it up i actually think that the best the best trips that i have gone on with people are when you know it's 60 percent kind of you know thing and then you throw in the occasion i think that the the joke 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 concept yeah it's it's not only tough to sustain but it's um the people in the boat expect the jokes. That's exactly and right. The jokes they, seem to sneak up on you every once in a while. That's what makes them more, I think, powerful, if you want to call it that, or, or they're just funnier when you catch them off guard. If they're just sitting there going, okay, here comes the next one, and they turn into groaners instead yeah. of, you know, yeah. laughers. Yeah. So so, um, so you get through your training, and at that point it's still the fraternity. It's still the, the, the all boys. Yeah, exactly. Um so, what was your? I mean, did you get over to? Did you ever get over to Haunted Mansion in your time there? I mean, that's <laughs> so yeah, that's funny because let's go back to that. So, what I found out, which was a huge surprise to me, is that when you work on the Haunted Mansion, you don't get to ride the ride the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was shocked. I was shocked that I didn't just get to ride the rides all day long when I worked there. Exactly, and in fact. For me, the mansion, when I finally did get there, it was the worst possible attraction to work because you just stood there listening to the same sounds, Mm -hmm. walking on the endless belt. And I thought back, you know, this was years later when I finally got to get over there, and I thought back and I thought, man, I just dodged a bullet because I don't know if I would have lasted at the park had I been stuck in that position. Um, but just think, it's it's like a free uh, free gym membership. You just get to keep yeah, on keep exactly. on walking on the treadmill, and I don't know how anyone who works at Haunted Mansion is 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 overweight, except Disney food. Um, yeah. But you know, it's you know the the canoes is really they should package that canoes and Haunted Mansion for your upper body and your lower body yeah, strength. Exactly. You should be fine at that point. We have uh, interval training where you can go back <laughs> and forth. I did the canoes too, as a matter of fact. Uh, and uh, that was a really great time there, too, because those canoe guys were completely unsupervised and yeah. got to do... I mean, it's amazing what they got to do in those days. Yeah. Well, I think the whole the whole of the park was a much less... They, they were more permissive. Let's, yeah. let's be nice and just say it that way. Yeah, you know, or, it, it wasn't chaos, but they yeah. were more permissive of a little tomfoolery because they knew it, it kept morale going and... Same thing. Didn't have the litigious kind of nature of it. So. Well, and it was the culture, you know. It, it, yeah. the, the trying to go in and change that, I can imagine, was not easy at first. Well, and workers. I mean, what really I think what changed is workers' comp costs. Yeah. Because you know, I don't, I don't remember the exact dollar amount, but someone told me that like ten or fifteen percent of the ticket price goes to workers' comp and liability and... Oh, I can't imagine I mean, how it's, high that is. Yeah, it's, it's just insane because the insurance that the resort has to carry, um, you know, and then all of the residual lawsuits they have to pay out. And, yeah. You know, I, 
uh, you know, L and I stuff. It's it's you know, it's really challenging. I, I had two I had two really bad uh, workplace injuries. Uh, I think we all from Jungle had the microphone hand, the claw yeah. hand, uh, from gripping that microphone for eight hours yeah. a day. I'd, I'd go home and my girlfriend would be like thinking I was like a harpy or a werewolf with my claws. Yeah. Um, but no, I had a, a really bad accident over at uh, the Maliboomer at California Adventure where I pinched a pinched a nerve in my hip shutting the ride down one night. And oh, uh, I, and unfortunately, the the medical people over on California Adventure were on a cardiac arrest run over at um, Space Mountain because they had a guy who had a heart attack right when the park was closing, and so I had to walk with a pinched nerve in my hip because I couldn't get security oh, to come pick me up. I had to walk over to where Harbor House was, oh yeah, uh, and get over to the the medical building over there. Yeah, yeah it's. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I messed up my back um, working the Mark Twain one time, uh, trying to tie the boat off, and they had that big two-inch hawser, and I mm-hmm. was pulling it like an idiot, and um, I I screwed up my back, and I was out for weeks, but I didn't even file any kind of claim or anything, you know. Well, so. you know, I one of the things that I was I I did Disney University for a year. Oh yeah, and I did too. Uh, to this day, I think that I mean, much as I love Jungle, and it's you know carried me into, you know, almost six, seven years later after I left. Mm-hmm. Um, university was the best thing I ever did there. University was the thing that I, I look back and I say that I would do that in a heartbeat again tomorrow. I loved it. But we taught a lot of ergonomics, you know, yes. ways to lift, ways to yeah. pull. Because even that basic, if you ingrain <laughs> it early enough, it just saves it saves people's bodies and backs. And Yeah. When I, uh, when I finally left Disneyland and went to work for American Airlines, um, the I ended up as an instructor at their flight attendant training school, and my time at Disney University really served me well. I brought yeah. some things to the table there that they had never seen with respect yeah. to training, and they were really appreciative. It was a really great experience. Well, Dis- Disney got on that on that early, and a part of it was yeah. by necessity because they were churning so many people exactly. through the system yeah. that they evolved a very efficient system well, of and training. Plus, their their um, their expectations were completely different from anything you'd find outside yeah. the park. Yeah, absolutely. So they had to instill that quickly and efficiently. Um, yeah, and I, I think that it's even to even to the day I still do some of the ergonomic things and still kind of teach. Mm-hmm. But now, by that point, you know, by a, a year in, had you had you broken your shyness of oh yeah public speaking and that talking? went away in the first two days. Yeah, you just immediately. <laughs> it was an amazing transformation for me, and my parents said, "God, you're like a different person," and you know, and all the various things that I would do. The, just my whole way I carried myself was different after that. Yeah. And uh, so besides getting over that um, fear of the microphone, um, there was also the comradeship of all the other um, guys that you worked with, which was I had never experienced in a job before either. Yeah, and, well, and, and being there eight years, you know, you got, yeah. you got to be in the middle of, you know, the heyday of the banana balls. Yep. I actually was the promoter of the banana ball for three years. Yep. So, so it was your fault. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, a couple pictures had leaked out some point last year. Someone had t- taken a couple Polaroids and scanned them in from some of the banana ball people dressed up. And uh-huh. yeah, I, yeah, if you go on my Facebook, I have some uh, yeah. some of uh, uh, Bill Smith and uh, I think um, 
Paul Ruiz is there, and I don't know if you know are familiar with any of these guys. guys. Bill Smith is a legend, and uh, and Paul Paul Ruiz, his nickname was Chico. He was one of the um, skippers at that time. You know, he also. Okay. Um, yeah, no, no. It's it's. There's always a ton of names that we we unearth. It's kind of a like genealogy.com yeah. for Jungle Cruise <laughs> skippers where every episode it's like, oh, that's a name I haven't heard before and then that kind of generates new people to sit down and talk to. Yeah. 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 It's um, it's actually, we're, we're up to almost 70 episodes now. Holy cow. Um, we've had over 300,000 downloads. Wow. So that's, someone yeah. cares. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I wish someone cared enough that there's a PayPal link to help pay my bandwidth drop costs. Drop a couple of coins in <clears throat> five or six hundred bucks a year of you know gas and but you know it's I'm, I love doing it. It's yeah. a good, it's a good project. So where else did you end up um, having knowledge when you were at the park? Well, pretty much everything on the west side. I, uh, Country Bear Jamboree. <clears throat> I didn't do Bear Band. That was girls only back then. Was it? Oh yeah. I was yeah. Th- I was there the last day for Bear. Oh, were you? Really? I, I I was. Uh, was that ninety eight? I don't think I was a cast member yeah, then. I think I no, because Pooh it had to have been after. But anyway, so um, yeah, so I was there the last day of, of oh, Bear, Bear, and that Bear. was a sad thing. Wow, well, I was there the first day of Bear Band. Yep. The day it opened, I was in uh, junior high, I think, or high school. Anyway, um, so yeah, I worked uh, the canoes, and I worked uh, Mansion and Pirates, and mm-hmm. both galleries and Tiki and Tree, mm-hmm. and uh, Mark and uh, Columbia. I was. Uh, Foreman on the Mark Twain in Columbia for mm-hmm. a while, and there seems to be a lot. Of, there seems to be a lot of a lot of that Columbia people who uh, John Duran was one. We had a couple yeah. of guys from the. In fact, I think I might have trained John on yeah. the Columbia. The the mistake. late eight, I think. I, I think he, I think that was what we talked about. Oh. Um, the um, late eighties group that some of the guys from that, like the eight, like the late eighties, early nineties, the nine five one group, the. Um, uh, there's a half a dozen people who were in that who who just tell me great stories about working Twain in Columbia and. Okay, I got to stop you right there. It's not Twain. It's the Mark. The Mark Twain. Okay. <laughs> well, no shortening. If you're going to shorten it, it's the Mark, not the Twain. Okay. Because here's what my my foreman, Wild Bill Barry, told me on my first day, and I said, "Oh, I just love working the Twain." And he goes, "Look at the Twain is that thing that runs around the outside of the park." This is the mark, and don't forget it. <laughs> so uh, he set me straight, you know. Different generations. I know, yeah, different generations. So then I, uh, later, I guess it became... Yeah. Now, was, was Main Street uh, part of West Side at that point, or was it no. over... It was over Tomorrowland. It was, yeah, Main Street and parking lot was one uh, section. Oh, it was, was a parking right. lot. And then it was all West Side, and then it was... Uh, See, because there was a point where Tomorrowland had management over Main Street. Yeah, that wasn't when I was there. Okay. It was Fan- we called it Phantom. Right. Fantasyland Tomorrowland was one, and uh, Main Street parking lot, and the Pony Farm was part of yeah. Main Street in those days. Yeah, so now, um, and Steam Trains was... That was Retlaw. It was a completely different company. Huh, interesting. Yeah, because you're familiar with Retlaw, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Retlaw owned the monorail and the Steam Train, and right. their employees were separate. They got paid by a separate oh, paycheck. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Didn't I actually didn't know anything to do... With they only worked those two rides. Do you know when that switched over? Uh, yes, because it was while I was at the park, and I want to say it was around eighty-two or eighty-three. Hmm. But my brother-in-law actually was a Retlaw employee who came over to um, Disneyland when the yeah. switch happened. I can find that out if you. Hmm. Really that's, that's, that. that's one of those little bits little that I didn't tidbits. know. Yeah, there was a Retlaw office. It was behind Main Street. Uh, uh, behind the um, 
east side of Main Street, about midway up on yeah. the back side there. They, yeah. they wanted me to work on, on the steam trains, uh, but only part-time, and I told them I didn't want to be a semiconductor. <laughs> Grown. Oh, sorry, I, love that. <laughs> I love that joke. Um, so uh, were, you, were you as surprised as everyone else when they uh, uh, broke through that wall and they found Toontown back there? I was, yeah, that I, was, I uh, was shocked. I mean, that it, and, of course, that happened after I was yeah. there. But, uh, but you yeah, worked there was, so long you had no clue, right? You had no idea. I that had was no on. idea it was there, but, you know, they say there's um, always more land to be developed. Uh, there's not much more land to be developed. They're squeezing every inch of so it. So you're saying Disneyland is almost complete? Because according no, to Disney, it is never, never complete. <laughs> there's always some other way they can get yeah. our money. <laughs> well, you know, the, I guess we can talk about this is that, um, you know, I, it's always interesting in the perspectives of people who have worked there for the things that are up and coming. Yeah. But I, I don't know if you've seen the press on it that they're going to be converting Tomorrowland at some point to being an almost exclusively Star Wars you know, Star area. Wars land. Star Wars land. They're actually wow. kind of moving away from they're going to, um, you know, they're going to push Space Mountain and some of the other areas and really – you know, go towards. Uh, they're gonna get a giant Millennium Falcon that's gonna sit over the top of Holy cow. Uh, where the Astro Orbiter used to be. Uh huh. So yeah, it's they're really kind of going in that direction. It's and it's uh, nostalgic for the old Tomorrowland, but the problem with Tomorrowland was it always became Yesterdayland yeah. so quickly. It was nostalgia land. It was nostalgia right land. Away. Yeah. And that was I actually thought it was really smart when they did they did the conversion where they painted Space Mountain purple for a few years, uh-huh. and they went with kind of a retro steampunk Tomorrowland. Yeah, yeah. Because that made sense, because it was a tomorrow that would never come. Right. It was it was a retro I tomorrow. It, I think, wasn't that Tony Baxter yeah. that was behind yeah. all that? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was that was an interesting time to be around the resort. Yeah. So, um, I guess, I, my, my brain's... I'm doing my, my uh, any any of those fun celebrity stories. Do you have any standout moments of people who you met or th- um, things that happened in the jungle that yeah, you want to preserve I mean, I, for posterity? I took a lot of not a lot, but a, a few celebrities around, and most of them were, you know, they're pretty low key when they were in the park. They didn't want to be yeah. recognized that month. It's not like it, it's not like it is now, where yeah, they come with a yeah. cadre of people. A lot of times, I, I was on. Uh, the jungle one day and Alan Funt got on and he waited in line with everybody else and he <laughs> he, he got on and he was like Alan Funt candid camera you know uh, I bet he's one of those he was one of those guys that uh, anytime he went out in public everyone stayed the hell away from him because <laughs> they were afraid they were going to be on the show yeah um, anyway he was very nice and I had Don Rickles on a, yep. on a uh, trip around once and um, um, Dom DeLuise he was yep. very nice too but um, for the most part, you don't interact that much yeah. with them, you know. Um, so, uh, anyway. Yeah, anything happen in the jungle that you want to particularly embarrass anyone <laughs> or tell any good stories from... What's, what's the story that when you, when you sit down and someone finds out that you were a Jungle Cruise skipper? You know, what's, what's, what are the, what's the story you pull out of your bag to... Well, it's, you know, you haul so many guests around um, that it's, everything is about them, pretty much, everything that happens, it's all kind of, this guest did this, and this guest did that, and I mean, I could, I I just 
I, there are so many stories of the goofy things that guests do. You mm-hmm. know, we used to say in those days that you know when people come in the park, they check their brains in the lockers at Lost and Found, and then they yep. go, you know, and enjoy their day. And it, it, I mean, it, it, the, I don't know that I could add anything super interesting as far as that goes, but the the stories of you know. The dopey questions and the you know trying to go in the exits and wondering whether they uh, what ride it is after they're halfway through you know and and that kind of stuff it's just um, uh, you know hysterical and yeah. ubiquitous I guess we yeah, I, I always love the um, the guest at, at the ticket booth who asked when it was a rainy day if it was raining inside the park yeah <laughs> that's a common one or, that's good or you know what time is a three o'clock parade that yeah, was one of the big favorite of that but no as far as and, as far as like other skips you worked with who you know well i mean there were lots of guys that i worked with john uh, verdone was a good friend of mine and he was just legendary skipper and there were you know um just great times with him i mean he he had a spiel that was you couldn't help but listen to it you know his voice had that uh quality that mm-hmm. made you want to listen to it and he uh um really grabbed you and he was so so funny and he he was very quick-witted you know mm-hmm. um so he was great to to uh, work with um <clears throat> my first foreman on the on the ride was uh chuck abbott and Chuck scared the hell out of me when I first uh, showed up. He was a very stern, uh, like, ex-Marine guy. Mm-hmm. had the very sh- short, flat-top haircut, and he never had any smile for you. He just told you where to go and what to do. And I, th- I remember thinking, this guy, you know, this is supposed to be the happiest place on earth, and he isn't happy <laughs> at all. And it wasn't until I, you know, later kind of got to know him and got through that shell that I realized what an incredibly great guy he was. But he um, used to every so often in the during the day get in the skiff and take a gun with him and just go out shooting spiders. And uh, um, whenever he went up to the switch to throw the front switch, <clears throat> he'd take a gun with him, and then we'd be sitting there. And then the next thing you know, pow! And we had to be looking around. What the hell is that? He goes, "That's just a spider." <laughs> People don't realize how big the spiders out on the, oh my the islands God, are. Enormous. Um, I, the biggest one I saw was, you know, by the time its legs were extended, was the size of the top of a coffee cup. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a good three inches around. There are some giant freaking spiders yeah, out I there. I remember there used to be one that hung out in front of the monkey god all the time. That uh, was enormous. <laughs> yes, let's but preserve the magic folks. that way. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I mean, you know, there was uh, people falling in the river all the time. There was, uh, you know, goofy stuff. Yeah. Um, now Chuck, no, you're saying Chuck was uh, was very serious and certain. What um, you were overlap with uh, Don Chapman? John Don Chapman. I think I was already in management by the time Chappie got his foremanship, or if I was right toward the end there. So that would have been like '79 or okay. so. So what was? Um, I mean, that's. Let's just from that viewpoint. I, you know, he's one of those people that consistently people bring up as one of the the kind of staples of the jungle. The yeah. guys who kind of guided the the ride to being what it is. What, what was interesting about Don? I guess he used to be a, like a a police, police officer. officer. Yeah, yeah, like a, a I don't know if it was a sheriff, a chief chief of police in like Alaska or, yeah. or, or I, I, Washington I, I, or yeah. something like that, and. Um, 
he was the the world could be exploding and huge rocks falling out of the sky and he would be level cool calm he i never saw him lose his cool ever yeah um other other foreman that i worked with you know they would go ballistic and he never did and i always respected him for that and he was always very fair and really a uh, great guy to work with yeah so yeah when you say you moved into management what was the was there a role you shifted into after working attractions or yeah well i i went up and i was a scheduler for a while and then um they i was a trainer of course um for uh probably a little over a year and then um tokyo disneyland was about to happen Mm -hmm. and so i went to my boss at the time who was um, bill ross and said i want to do something with this tokyo disneyland i don't know what it is but if there's anything i can do with tokyo disneyland i want in so he says all right i i don't know anything about it i i just you know we had just heard about it and he said, uh, if something comes up, I'll let you know. So about three days later, he comes walking down to the Jungle Cruise and he says, you still want to do Tokyo Disneyland stuff? And I said, yeah. And he says, okay, you're the Tokyo Disneyland trainer for the west side of the park now. You're going to be getting these executives coming over from Japan who are the mucky mucks. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to train them on every single ride in the west side of the park. And you knew... So I already knew most of them. I had to learn Bear Band, and I had to learn um, uh, I had to learn Big Thunder yet. So I had I had yeah. to learn that. And then um, the first guy that came through was this guy named Kamisawa-san, and he was the Ron Dominguez of uh, mm-hmm. of Tokyo Disneyland. He was a president of um, the Tokyo Disneyland arm. And he was such a great guy. And I had no idea who he was. And then, you know, um, later I found out that, you know, he, he was the, the guy. And I trained about 10 or 12 executive types that came through. I had an interpreter the whole time I worked with for, for the training. So that poor interpreter had to learn all of the uh, rides as well. And Well, you could just sign them off at the end of it and put yeah, them to work that In some day, cases, so. they were as well-trained as anybody out there. I mean, they, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember on a couple of occasions, they were uh, correcting me when I made a mistake in my training. She goes, no, wait a minute, I think it's this. So, uh, so I did that. And then um, my job there was done. And then they actually started construction at Tokyo Disneyland. And they said, you want to go over there? And so I went. And I was there. Uh, I was in charge of Jungle Cruise and Cheeky Loom and uh, Marco Twain and uh, what else? Oh, and uh, Shooting Gallery mm-hmm. or Gallery. And so I did that for uh, about seven months. Cool. So what's, I mean, I, I mean I've seen videos. I haven't been over. Uh, the, what, what's the Jungle Cruise? Because I don't know if you were... Uh, so, well, what was your impression of the Jungle Cruise in Tokyo? And then I'll get into the the next part, which is the changes that they're in the middle of making. Oh, uh, okay. I wasn't aware they were doing any yeah, changes. Yeah, big, big, big. Well, one of the things I had to do for for that job was they were building Florida's Jungle Cruise over there. Mm-hmm. So I- 
Hey guys, this uh, interview with Jeff Rhodes ran a little bit longer than we expected, uh, so we're splitting it up into two parts, and as happens sometimes with our two-part episodes, uh, we kind of trail off in the middle of a conversation, so make sure you come back next week. We'll have the continuation of Jeff's discussion about the Jungle Cruise in Tokyo. Uh, It's a super fun conversation. Uh, Make sure you join us for that, and the episodes are continuing to roll out. Uh, We will see you guys soon. Make sure you share us with your friends. Uh, We want to keep growing the podcast, and the best way for us to do that is to get new listeners. So thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.